0: Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. Yes, please, no celebratory gunfire, please. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. We have such a talented worship team. Thank you guys so much. You're still plugged in. There you go. Oh, well. Um, Man, I wanted to try to like rent an eagle to have like land on my arm, but too much liability or something like that, I don't know. Um, Welcome to Foundations Church, my name is Michael Ballard. Uh, Justin Graves is our lead pastor. He is actually in uh, Michigan at a camp. So we're getting to share him with families from all over the nation. Um, So he's at the camp, he's not on vacation, he is like speaking three times a day. So it's a long week for him, but we'll be lucky to have him back next week. Um, Can I first start out by saying thank you? Do we have any servicemen or women that have uh, served? You were veteran, you uh, did serve, yeah. Can I say thank you guys so much uh, for your service, yeah. Man, we really appreciate, man, just the sacrifices that you guys gave and made to, uh, to allow us to be here today worshiping without fear of persecution or anything like that. And, um, so thank you guys so much for that. Um, like I said, my name is Michael Ballard. I'm the student ministries director here at Foundations Church. Um, and I'm gonna give a completely shameless plug to FC students because I love what I do each and every day. If you have a kid If you have a grandkid, a neighbor, um, a niece or nephew, or just you see as you're driving throughout the city of Tulsa and you see sixth through 12th graders roaming the streets, snatch them up for just like two hours. You can take them back, I promise. Like it's, like I don't know what the link for missing children is, but just bring them back before anything gets weird. Um, But get them here on Wednesday nights. Uh, We have an incredible group of students that love Jesus. They're friendly, they're fun, they're crazy. Sometimes it's like herding cats, but I love what I do each and every day. Uh, We start at 6.30, we have prizes, games, giveaways, all that stuff like that. Um, Service starts at seven, it looks a lot like this service. Uh, It's geared a little bit more towards teenagers though, and we wrap up about 8.15. Um, If they're not plugged in somewhere on a regular basis, make sure they make FC students part of their weekly routine. Parents, if you want your kids to take their relationship with Christ seriously, man, you've got to make sure that church is a priority in their life. So get them here. We have an awesome time. Um, if you want have more questions or whatever, come talk to me after service. I'd love, love, love to help um, answer any questions you have and get them here uh, this Wednesday. Uh, we are in our Redneck series. We don't always have the, the lobby with decorated with cardboard and solo cups, and we're not always singing country songs. Um, if you've been here the past couple weeks, we've had... Uh, that we, we started our Redneck series a couple weeks ago and Pastor Justin talked about slicker and snot and all of, some of you are like, what is going on here? Um, all, of, all of the sermons during this series have to do with like a redneck saying and I promise there's like Jesus, it all revolves around Jesus, so it's not like just randomness. And he talked about with the slicker and snot, he talked about compromise and how compromise is a slippery slope away from Christ. And last week he talked about out of the frying pan into the far Right, because you have to say it like that, to so make it redneck. Talks about what happens when things go from bad to worse. And today, we're continuing on with our redneck series, and we're talking about nader chasers and sheep herding. And if you have lived in Oklahoma any length of time, you are completely aware of what, or, or a tornado. if you're in the north, it's tornado. If you're in the south, it's nader, because they're a little bit more southern, obviously. So, um, but you know what a nader chaser is. And by definition, a nader chaser is someone who has no skill set whatsoever, there's no scientific rhyme or reason behind it. They chase storms for the pure thrill of it, right? I've got a friend in Oklahoma City who will remain nameless, and this is not, this is not one of those stories where I add my own details in there, like this, like you can't make this stuff up. Anytime there's severe weather and like the threat of a tornado or whatever, he'll post on Facebook and he'll, he'll tag his friend Duane. so Duane, right? So there's A, that's awesome. Um, and he's like, I got my boots on, I'm getting, coming to get you in my truck, I've got my sweet tea, and I've got my Glock. And I don't know why he's got his, he feels the need to carry a pistol while he storm chases, but, um, <laughs> I mean, because America, right? That's why. Um, I think the reason is a few years ago, we had a tornado go through that Arbuckle Safari area and it like busted tigers loose. There was like a tiger NATO in Oklahoma. And I think like you have to have your pistol on you in case you run into a tiger like during storm chasing. I, I don't know why, but he like it's just crazy that he is, I've got a friend that's that guy. You're like, oh, you're that guy. Um, but I love him, he's awesome. Now, I, I have a love-hate relationship with storm season in Oklahoma, we just kind of came out of it. Um, I hate it because it can be devastating, destructive, um, you know, it's, it's it's not it's a dangerous situation. But I love it because I love watching the coverage and I love watching the coverage of it, not just for information. Like, it's like a state event. I'm like, strap in people, we're all, we're all in this boat together. Let's like, let's tune in and see what's gonna happen. It's entertainment for Aubrey and I. I mean, like we're like doing dishes and like watching the TV. She's like, where's it at? I'm like, oh, it's right around Guthrie or whatever. You know, it's like, I learned so many cities in Oklahoma, little towns. I did not know there was a goatee until like, thank you, Travis Meyer, for expanding my vocabulary of our state, right? I love the coverage, but I also love the post-storm interviews. Like they find the most backwoods people that are, they're sponsored by NASCAR, they have to be, I don't know why. <laughs> Cause they like got the hat on and no shirt or the jacket on and no shirt. It's like, I don't know what happened to their shirt in the process, but it's gone. And their description of the storm makes you feel like you were there, right? They're, they're like describing everything but the storm. He's like, yeah, I was standing on my porch and Travis Meyer was saying take cover, but he's a sissy, I don't care what he says. Like, I saw it coming right for me and I didn't care. It's like, what happened to the storms? like, well, Leroy's uh, old Crown Vic was floating in the air and you see it's painted up like the general league real nice, it just, it's like nothing to do with the storm, but you know that you're in there. It's like, ah, oh, I love that. But whenever a storm goes through, man, you, see, you are able to see where the path of the storm went. If there's a tornado, that's touchdown, which is another, if you're playing uh, storm bingo, touchdown is one of the words that you mark on your card, or power flashes, straight line winds, all the above. Um, <laughs> Hook, echo, I could keep going, I'll stop. Um, but you can see the path of where the storm's been. And there's a pretty clear distinction. We've got a before and after picture of a neighborhood of where a storm went through. Any guesses as to where that storm was? Pretty clear, right? Not a whole lot of guessing left to the imagination when you see before and after of where the storm went through. Uh, I forget when it was, but it was, it was one of the ones that went through more. They've had a lot of really bad tornadoes go through there the past 20 years or so. And um, I remember I had to go down to Texas after, you know, a few weeks after one of those storms passed through, and I was going down there, and this was a couple weeks after the storm had gone, and traffic was still backed up on I-35 because people were looking at the damage, like an interstate that goes from Mexico to Canada, they were stopping and looking at the damage that had crossed that interstate because it was so apparent, and even after, Years after the houses have been rebuilt, the buildings have been rebuilt, you can still see the trees, the damage done to the trees years after the storms passed through. My question to us today is it's, it's obvious when there's a tornado, when there's a storm that crosses um, an area. What is, what's obvious whenever you cross paths with somebody? Is there a noticeable difference? Is there a lasting impact that you leave on someone's life when you've crossed their path? Are they aware that they've come in contact with someone who is supposed to be reflecting the attitude and the mind of Christ. What kind of legacy are you leaving? Is there a noticeable difference? And you know, I think there's a lot of ways that we can make an impact and a difference in people's lives, a way that we can build our legacy, and we're just gonna talk about a, a few of them today, but I think one of, the, one of the first things we can do to make an impact on people is the way that we help others, is the way that we help others. That makes a huge impact on people. Since 2010, so it's now 2017, my wife and I have moved five different times. I hate moving. I don't do I'm like, hey, it's two years, time to move, let's do this, like, I don't look forward to it, all right? Um, my, my reasoning or my rationale when I think I'm gonna ask people to help me move is like, okay, you've helped me move in the past, or I know you will help me move, so I'm gonna ask you to help me move, right? Um, like my dad has built in credit because we moved a lot when I was younger and I had to help him move. So I'm just like, hey dad, you owe me a couple. So like, come on in. Um, But it's awesome because my dad has built that legacy of being willing to help people and serve people, which is incredible for me to be able to say that and not have my fingers crossed behind my back. Like I can say that in all honesty, that my dad is, is selfless and is willing to help. But a lot of times we have the mindset's like, all right, what have you done for me? Like, have you helped me in the past? Because then I'm willing to help you. We have the like, I, I was never, I didn't really, I didn't pay attention a lot in school. And so I'm not real great. I think what is it, like the quid pro quo or, it, it, we're in Oklahoma, It's squid pro quo is like, we're in Oklahoma, it's like you do something for me, I'll do something for you, right? That's, that's, that's what I'm talk, trying to get at. And a lot of us have that mentality when we help others, right, you do something for me and I'll do something for you. But the truth is, as Christ followers, that shouldn't be our attitude. Right, it shouldn't be like, "Mm, sorry, like you didn't, I asked you for help and you didn't help me. Man, our mindset should be that we're willing to help others even if they have nothing to offer us in return. We have an incredible group of adult leaders that hang out at FC students every Wednesday night. They come, they volunteer, they give their time, they invest in the next generation, they lead connect groups. You know what, they don't ask the students for anything in return. They're not like, hey, I'm gonna lead this connect group and we're gonna have a lot of fun whether you like it or not, but when we're done, you're gonna come on my yard. Like, that's not how it works. I think I'm onto something, so maybe we'll give me some time and you would be like, I wanna volunteer if that's the case. I need my house painted. Um, that's not how it works. Uh, but they do it because they love investing in the next generation. They love serving. They love helping. They, they have a good time while they're there. Man, and... Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, he's talking to his disciples and he says this. He says, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials, flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I think if there's anyone in the history of the world who deserved to be waited on hand and foot, it would be the son of God. Call me crazy, I'm going on a limb there, but if anyone had a right to claim that title of being waited on hand and foot, I think it would be the son of God. But Jesus said, that's the norm. That's what the rulers and people in authority do. They expect you to wait on them hand and foot. Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served, and to give my life as a ransom for many. Man, every morning, when we wake up, we should say, God, make me more like you. Increase in my life, I want you to increase and I want me to decrease. I want my life to line up with you. And the amazing thing that happens, something crazy happens whenever we pray that prayer, when our heart starts to line up with the heart of God, man, serving others, helping others, giving of our time is an overflow of that. It's not, hey, what can you do for me? But it's how can I help you? One of our values here at Foundations Church is is help me out, is saved people. A little bit, come on, save people. There you go, save people, serve people. Save people, serve people. And what I love is that value is starting to take root in us as a church. I'm starting to see people that I talk to from the community that are like, yeah, this person brings me Project Hunger Boxes. Yeah, this person brings me to church. Yeah, this person does this and does that. And it's not... I did something for you, now you've got to do something for me. But it's simply because they're reflecting the attitude of Christ. Man, what a lasting impact we can make. Man, what an impression. Building a legacy of serving and helping others, of giving our time. Man, sometimes giving our time is a lot easier than giving of our finances. Man, sometimes being able to serve is a lot easier than being able to give. But I think another way that we build our legacy and make an impact on people is the way that we give, how generous we are. No, this isn't, I'm not about to get into a tithing series or sermon or whatever, so please don't tune me out just yet. Um, I believe that you can tithe and still not be generous. I think it's really easy for us to justify tithing and being like, oh, gotta give my 10%, okay, put it in the bucket before it passes, quick, I don't wanna look like, I think it's easy for us to do that. But there's a difference between that and being generous. Your legacy isn't just built here in church. You're you're here on this Sunday, one day a week, 15% of your week. I had to use my calculator because I'm terrible at math. 15% of your week that you're sitting right here, this one day. What about the other 85%? We can go um, serve in FC Kids, which is incredible. We can do the parking lot, which is awesome. We can be an usher, and all those things are incredible, but what, a, what are you doing the other 85% of your week? How are you taking Christ out of this building? What does your generosity look like outside of here? Man, our faith should be so evident to other people that it's unavoidable that, that we have a relationship with Christ. Our faith should be able to attract people and draw people in. And that if we're not doing what we say we believe, man, we're just words. And James chapter 2 says that really clear. And I love what this passage says. James chapter 2 verses 14 through 17 says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day and stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. Man, I get it. I get it. We can get wrapped up in the mindset and say, you know what? I worked overtime. I went to school. I went to training for this job, I found the job, I, 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 I. And we can say this is my money, I'll give my 10%, but what I do with the rest of it is mine. But if our mindset is supposed to be like Christ and we understand that God is the one that provides all that we have, then really we're just stewarding what God has given us. We realize that it wasn't us that did it, but it was God that opened up the doors for those jobs, for those opportunities. And if that's our mindset, man, generosity should be an overflow of that. Giving away what God has given you. Like it's, I could easily be like Scrooge McDuck diving in my pot of gold coins and like swimming around, ducktails, anyone? There's like a five-year gap, like that window that fits in. And Justin doesn't throw out those like, he's old, so don't worry about him. But um, don't tell him I said that. just an old duck that's like a Scrooge McDuck, all right? So I'm sorry for my cartoon reference. Anyway, but man, I love to give. I love to be generous. Why? Because, man, it, it's easy for me to be selfish, but me being selfish doesn't help anyone else. It doesn't help me. I can't take that with me. Man, but what, what's, what's cool is that whenever you're generous, it plants seeds, whether, whether it's here at the church or outside of there, it plants seeds that can open up doors so you having a conversation with someone about Jesus or someone down the road having a conversation with someone about Jesus. This, this past week, I, asked, um, I put it on Facebook and I asked if anyone had been a server at a restaurant. And so I talked to about 15 different people. It was crazy. And I asked him this question. I said, what was your thought about the Sunday afternoon church rush? People that came in and ate after church. Was there any noticeable difference in the way they tipped uh, and their attitude and the way they treated you? And I think there was one person that said, oh, I loved it, Um, it was fine. Everyone else said that was one of the least desired shifts to work in the restaurant industry. They said they tipped horrible, they were rude, they were mean, they were the messiest. And it was such a turnoff for those people that they said this, and and this, this is what blew my mind, they said, some people said a little more politically correct than others, but they said, I would rather wait on people Friday and Saturday night who are out celebrating the weekend, aka whatever, you can fill in the blank there. Um, yeah, a bar shift. Yeah, there you go. Hey, there, that's basically what it was. I would rather wait on people Saturday, or Friday and Saturday that are out drinking, that are having a good time because they tip better, they're friendlier, they're nicer. Like, And that blew my mind that people would say that. that as we go from church hearing about the love of Christ and how Christ generously gave his life for us, that we can't generously give someone a 20% tip. It's like, God only gets 10, you get 5%. Like, I don't know what our reasoning is, but it's such a turnoff. Or when people give those like $50 bills, but they're really, it's like, do you know Jesus? And they're like, "Mm, you're about to know Jesus. Like, it's like (laughs) such... It's such a turnoff. They would come in and they would tip them like 97 cents so it rounds up to an even three bucks or whatever. And then they leave an invite card to their church. Man, we leave a legacy in the way we serve others, but also in how generous we are. Like I said, it opens up doors. They said, uh, the people I talked to said, nothing closes the door faster to a conversation with Christ than the people that are super stingy with their tips. And I'm not trying to tell you like, go do this right now. But our legacy should be built around being generous. The impact we have with people that can do nothing for us, what is that looking like? Because if it's not reflecting the attitude of Christ, then we're missing the point. I had someone this morning come up and tell me after first service, and they said, um, I was a server, and he said, I'm a Christ follower, and so it's, in my mind, I, I have the attitude of Christ, and so it's like Christ serving somebody else you know, I try to do all that I can to reflect the attitude of Christ. He said, and say a church, people that came from church that call themselves Christ followers. So it'd be like me, like Christ serving Christ. And he's like, would Christ serve the, or would Christ behave the way that you're behaving to the other person? Like, does it work out? Your legacy isn't built just on Sundays. It's built Monday through Saturday. It's easy to to say something, but, it takes a lot more work to walk that out. Man, generosity, make that a part of your life. Make that a part of your life. I've seen people I love and people I care about. I've I've learned how to be generous, not from people telling me about it, but from seeing it lived out. Seeing people write their checks and put it in tithe buckets, seeing people give to missionaries, seeing people buy people meals for no reason just because they felt like they needed to. Man, what is your life? How generous a life are you living? Man, the way we serve, the way we give, that restaurant story, the people that I talked to made it so obvious that the way we love has to be a part of our legacy. The way that we love has to be a part of the impact that we have on the people around us. That love ties all these things together. Man, I wanna be remembered for the way that I love, not just my family. I hope my family knows that I love them without question, but I hope that people that I don't know, people like, man, he never met someone he didn't like. He never met a stranger. You know, like one, of those, one of those people. Man, I wanna be known for the love that I carry to everyone. Because Jesus didn't like, have exceptions on the cross. He wasn't like, Father, forgive them, except that guy. I'm not really sure what his deal is. Like, he didn't have an exception to the rule. And our attitude, again, should reflect that of Christ. I think the Bible says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Man, I think it's in 1 John where it says um, that whoever doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. Man, we should reflect the attitude of Christ in church and out of church. You're in church, you should be the same as you're out of church, you. You can't be like, you're, you put on your business hat and you're like, man, it's a dog-eat-dog dog world out there. It's cutthroat business. Like, I gotta, I gotta climb the ladder, you know? Like, you're, you shouldn't have two separate yous. When I, we were a youth pastor um, in Oklahoma City, there was a girl who was, she was probably in eighth grade at the time. She was a little feisty. Um, and we were checking people in before service and just goofing off. And she comes up and some other girl mouthed off to her and she goes, ooh. She's like, if we weren't in church, I'd hit you right now. And I was like, I stopped checking her and I said, Olivia, I said, if you're going to hit her outside of church, just hit her in church and kind of caught her off guard. And she looked at me, she goes, what? And I said, you're just telling me that you're two different people. I said, I respect you when you're in, that you respect the bill. You're not wanting to fight in here. Thank you. That'd be a headache for me. But, um, you're just telling me that you're two different people when you're in church and out of church. I said, be the same person all the time. So I know what we're dealing with here. Luckily, no one got hit. And that's terrible advice to give a violent teenager, but, um, Terrible advice, but it got the point across. And it's funny because a few years later um, she was saying something. She's like, I'll hit him in church or out of church. I was like, no, that's not the point. I was like, it's not, no violence, like knock it off. Man, but the in church you should be the same, church, the same as the out of church you. Man, if you're, if you're faking it in here, you're a fraud out there because I'm guessing that even if you don't carry the attitude of Christ out there, you probably don't drop the title of Christian. You're like, yeah, I go to Foundations Church, but you just treated this person terribly and used every, called them every name under the sun. Man, our lives have to be consistent. First John 3, 18 says, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Let's not merely say we love each other, but let's show the truth by our actions. And our mindset, does it line up with the word of Christ? Does it line up with the attitude of Christ? Are we decreasing? Is He increasing in our life? Is the legacy that we're leaving, the impact that we're having, is there a noticeable difference when we cross paths with people? Are they able to tell? Are they able to tell that we say we love Jesus and we follow Him, but they're able to tell it by our actions? Are they able to tell it by our actions? Man, I've been to, to a handful of funerals over, over my life. I've been to one for my great-great-grandparents, or not my great-great, my great-grandparents who are like in their early to mid-90s. I've been to a funeral for a one-month-old and, and everywhere in between. And, and you always get people coming up and telling stories about the person, laughing, just remembering the good times, celebrating their life. And I remember a couple of funerals, where I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, they're kind of having to stretch the truth, not trying to be irreverent or anything. I'm just like, I don't remember the person that way. And it's awkward and it's weird. Man, when, when I'm at the end of my life, I don't want my family and friends to have to stretch the truth about who I was. I don't want them to have to like make up stories and everyone, in the, everyone that's there is like, oh, let's, I mean, I'm not gonna say anything because we're at a funeral, but that's not who he was. Your legacy isn't being, isn't, it's too late when you're 100 years old to be worrying about your legacy. Your legacy and your impact is being built now, every day. It's being built by what you do, not just by what you say, but by what you do. Is that legacy pointing people to Christ or is it pointing them away from Christ? I read this book um, a little while back. It's called The Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 and I'm closing with this. Um, this book's written by W. Philip Keller. I think I'm gonna start going by M. Bradley Ballard, like I'm just, so I sound official. Um, But he is like a legit shepherd, like a sheep herder, like he does that for a living, which is crazy to me. Um, And he breaks down the 23rd Psalm, which David writes, um, and he's, he's comparing God taking care of us to him taking care of his sheep. And it's awesome, but this book really dives into detail because it puts things in a different perspective. And in this chapter, he's breaking down the sixth verse of Psalm 23. He says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Some versions say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And he says this about uh, about his experience. He says, in my own experience as a sheep rancher, I have in just a few years seen two derelict ranches restored to high productivity and usefulness. More than this, what before appeared as depressing eyesores became beautiful park-like properties of immense worth. Where previously there had been only poverty and pathetic waste, there now, there now followed abundant, uh, flourishing fields and rich abundance. In other words, goodness and mercy had followed my flocks. They left behind them something worthwhile, productive, beautiful, and beneficial to both themselves, others, and me. Where they had walked, there followed fertility and weed free land. Where they had lived, there remained beauty and abundance. The question now comes to me pointedly is this true of my life? Do I leave a blessing and a benediction behind me? Sir Alfred Tennyson wrote in one of his great classic poems, The Good Men Do Lives After Them. The Good Men Do Lives After Them. Man, and as we're wrapping up this morning, What are we leaving behind us? What are we leaving behind us? Like that passage said, I loved it because it's describing his sheep. They turned something that was terrible into something of immense worth. something that was ugly into something that was beautiful. What flowed behind them was goodness and blessing to them and to others. Man, as Christ followers, surely goodness and mercy should follow us everywhere that we go should follow us every day of our lives. That we're leaving behind us something beautiful, something beneficial to others. Man, is our life looking like that? What areas do you need to work on? It's like, you know what? My church, me is good, but I need to make sure that the rest of my life is good. I need to make sure that every part of my life is surrendered, not just some of my life is surrendered. Man, if if what we do in here doesn't overflow outside of these doors, then we're missing the point. Us sitting in here, hearing me or Justin or whoever speak and us raising our hands, man, it's awesome and it's wonderful and I love it. But if it's not overflowing out in our community, what are we doing? What kind of real impact are we having? man, does your faith have legs? Is it active? Is it moving? And we're not, we're not saved because we do stuff, right? It's, it's not, that's not how it works. We're not, it's not like, I'm gonna do good stuff, so Jesus is gonna save me, so I'm gonna go to heaven. No, but we do those good things because we're saved. And it's an overflow of our heart. But the thing is, we can be generous and we can help others and we can do a lot of good things. But if it's not built on the foundation of Christ, then it's meaningless. If your life isn't built on the foundation of who Jesus is and having him as your Lord and savior, then it's meaningless. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna give us, give you an opportunity to say, you know what? Yeah, I wanna leave a lasting impact and a lasting legacy, but more importantly, and I want to live a life that reflects Christ. With no one looking around, just by simply raising your hand, I'm gonna count to three. If that's you, if you say, Michael, I need to I need to commit my life to Christ. I, I need to change some stuff and I need to be more like Jesus. You know what? Maybe you've made that decision you need to recommit your life today. I don't know what it is, But when I get to three, if you know that's you and you need that change, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Is there anyone in here that says, that's me? Man, don't miss an opportunity. God, we come before you today. God, we thank you that you sent your son to show us how to live to to be our savior that he served and that he gave his life that he was generous with his life god that he did it because he loves us god that you sent him because you love us and i pray that our impact god as people talk about us god as we cross paths with people god it would be apparent and obvious god that they've experienced the same mind and the same attitude as Christ. God, there would be a lasting and a noticeable difference in the world that we live in because we're taking what we say we believe and we're putting legs to it, God, and it's overflowing in our lives. God, every day of the week. God, I pray that lives would be changed because of our surrender and obedience to you. God, because of us serving others, because of us being generous and because of us loving others the way that you have loved us. God, don't let us just hear what your word has to say, God, but let us do. We thank you for being in this place. God, I thank you for every person that's here. And I pray as we go from here, we'd have a lasting impact on our community, on our family. And our friends, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Man, thank you guys so much for being here. If you need after the service, please stop by the Connect Center. We have some awesome people there that would love to pray with you, um, encourage you. Man, if you if you want it, we have uh, the plunge service coming up August sixth. If you know that's your next step and you need to get baptized, sign up for that. I'm going to let Shannon and the worship team close us out. Thank you guys so much for being here. I hope you have a wonderful week and a safe Fourth of July. Come on, we'll just stand with us. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.